Hey everyone, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here and giving us about an hour or so of your time. We have been married for 14 years and the premise of our podcast is we sit down and talk about life as husband and wife and that ranges from uh, parenting, kids, to marriage, to theology, to culture, to gardening, to chickens, to food and cooking, um, and the whole gamut, kind of liken it to uh, you know reality podcasting. We're kind of living our lives on a podcast. But we're, we're messy, but we're not glorifying messy quite like reality, pod, reality TV. Is. Yeah, we are messy. I was just eating a peanut butter... Uh, peanut butter and tortilla that my brother turned me on to, and it dripped all over my fingers. It was delicious, but ooh, I have some on my... Uh, we are also currently friends in the midst of a battle that I have not waged since my seminary days. So 20, 20 years, a solid 20 years, which is that we have a mouse in our house. And that's fresh breaking news, <clears throat> as they say. Uh, so, I don't know if we've ever talked about the cat door before. When we went to the Dominican Republic, I asked JR's dad, who was in charge of our animals, to install a cat door from our garage into our house. When we moved in, there was one from the house to the garage, so the cats could at least come get out of the weather. But I thought it would be pretty slick for them to be able to Especially when we're gone because their food and water are in our house and that way they could come lounge around on the cat tree or Luna sleeps all day on our bed and so that they could come and go as they please and not have to find an alternative place for their food and water and or maintain two different ones or, you know, if if our, my father-in-law were to let the cats in, then he'd have to come let them out later because they get bored in the house and scratch things up. Anyway. It seemed like a really slick thing to me. He installed it. They had a very hard time figuring it out. So he ended up duct taping it open for the duration of our trip. Uh, Not figuring out the install, figuring out the operation of the cat door. It's got this two-way system with latches that you can close and make it work. Well, no, the cats had trouble figuring out because they're one... Oh, The cat's cat door that they're used to that goes out of from the garage to the outdoors is a floppy rubber thing and this one is hard plastic with a pretty hard magnet and so to train them to use it i would put their feet out in front of them and have the feet push the door open instead of smashing their heads into it and then they learned you just have to push a little bit to break the magnetic hold on it but it took some some training for them to figure that out and then about a week after the successful training, I was not around, and JR texted me and was like, there's a flaw in your plan. The cat, specifically Minerva, just brought a mouse inside. And I was like, well, maybe it's a, a fluke thing, because usually they bring their dead mice to our back step and eat them there. And then she did the same thing the next day. So, fortunately, I had just bought the most highly rated cat door on walmart.com and it has tabs so you can make it a one-way cat door so it's it's been working decently well since then so the cats can go out of the house but they can't come back in as far as they can get in is the garage which made molly sad because it kind of ruined her whole plan for the cat door it kind of ruined my whole plan for the cat door except 
are both cats are I, I'm gonna Google the word right now while I'm thinking of it. So cats are neither <clears throat> nocturnal nor diurnal. There is a word that I am looking up as we speak, as I, I speak. No. Are cats nocturnal? Uh, and it's it's a word that describes animals crepuscular. Crepuscular. C-R-E-P-U-S-C-U-L-A-R, which means they are most active at dawn and at dusk. Oh, like our chickens. A lot of animals are. Deer, for example. You know, when when are you most at risk of hitting a deer on the highway? Dawn or dusk. When do you go hunting? Dawn or dusk. Dawn or dusk. So a lot of animals are crepuscular. (laughs) I'm never going to remember that. I thought if I looked at... Anyway... Our cats like to go to sleep at the same time that we do. Minerva will often cuddle with one of the kids or bounce around on their bed with one of the kids until they kick her off. And Luna goes to sleep at the foot of our bed where my feet are. They then, somewhere between four and five nightly, will claw at something in our room. And I then, this morning it was actually Minerva who was locked in our closet. She was clawing at the carpet and it took me forever, like three tries to figure out where she was. But she was locked in a closet. Oh, I was going to... Yeah, I, she walked in there when I... So I had a gig last night. Um, got home and went to bed quite a bit later than Molly. Because when I get home from one of these gigs, I'm usually pretty hyper and excited. And it's been great and all the things. And so I need some time to wind down. Well, as I went to bed, um, Minerva walked into our closet, walked under your Sweaters. second layer of clothes thing and just laid down. And so she was there until... I said, said, you're going to be here all night because I'm shutting the door. (laughs) And so she was there until about dawn when she was clawing to get let out. And anyway, so it has worked well because every time they've done that to me for the last couple of months, I just shoved them out the cat door to train them. You can do this Mm -hmm. yourself. So they're, they're pretty good at not waking me up now. They go out the cat door. And then they're waiting to get let in in the morning because they're done with their dawn adventures and they want to come inside and have their daily tuna and go to sleep. Anyway, last night we gave JR a Yoda Star Wars puzzle for for Father's Day, which was two days ago, that he hasn't touched, but Lily and I have spent hours Not already on. Not for lack of desire. Sunday we got back from Father's Day. The kids wanted to start. I said, okay, let's do that. I took a nap. And then we had something going on And then you and Titus went night. on a bike ride. Titus and I went on a bike ride. And, we got and home then we watched bed. Boba Fett. Right. And then Monday, I was working. Um, and, and that then, was just yesterday. That was just yesterday. So anyway, I was working <clears throat> on it because it's actually a very hard puzzle. And I got kind of caught up, lost track of time. It was like 1030 and Minerva came in and was meowing like crazy in the kitchen area, which is around the corner from the school room where I was doing the puzzle, and very urgent, loud, persistent meowing, actually more yowling than meowing, and I I finally got up to see what she was doing, and as I did, the live mouse that she had brought inside and had not adequately killed saw me, freaked out, and ran into our living room and under a couch, and I played a an embarrassingly awkward and long game of trying to help the cat catch the mouse. I had a bowl that I was going to slam on top of it if it came near me, and it never did. But I was picking up couches. They're the big, heavy couches that are, what, an inch off the ground. 
And she would go under it and bat at the mouse and the mouse would run under another couch and I'd go pick that couch up. And eventually she did actually corner it and catch it and carry it back into the kitchen area where she put it down again. And it ran away and got away from her in our house. Or outside. I did. I had, when I was trying to help her catch it, I had opened our back sliding door in the hopes that I could shoo her outside with it after she caught it. So there is a, there is a chance that when she put it down and it, and chased it in a loop around our kitchen island, that it completed its loop by going out the open door. We're hoping that. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be super surprised. My other thought is that it ran under our stove slash oven unit. And then, as JR pointed out, there are holes in the floor for the gas line. And it could be anywhere in the, what is it called? Like the flooring area between. Our upper and lower floors. Yeah. yeah. So there's what, six, 12 inches of insulation and, and ductwork and whatnot. How much the joists are. Between, by the way, speaking of <coughs> so ductwork. So worst, worst case scenario is it dies and it smells our house for a while. Hopefully. I don't think that's worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that it figures out there's food in the kitchen. And we play catch the mouse for a season. But I texted JR while he was at work and said... Here's the text. Let me read the text. Okay. Hey, terrible news. The cat door seems to be broken. Minerva brought a live mouse into the house and lost it. She seems to think I should be proud of her. Can you please stop somewhere, 24-hour Winco, on your way home and pick up some sticky mouse traps? That was your text. So, in the meantime, I'm rocking out. I remember to go to Winco. Because we hung out with the band a little bit afterwards. And um, I'm walking through Winco. And I'm walking out of Winco with two things in my hand. And I have to look like I live in... In a frat house. In a, in a frat house or a bus or a trailer or something. But I have a box of Captain Crunch. And I have sticky mousetraps. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that is our current somewhat... Uh, I mean... It's for sure a first world problem, right? I was going to say somewhat alarming situation, but things could be a lot worse. But I don't think we've had a mouse problem. We we have in the garage, but they've never made it into our house. We've never really, since we got the cats, we've never really had any major mouse problems. Well, Occasionally we do they in miss, the garage. They miss them every now and then in the garage. They We live on, as many of you guys know, on two acres and the back of our property has an overflow ditch. And so it very rarely has water in it. Often towards the end of the summer, it'll have an inch or two kind of just or just mud. Uh, it was almost overflowing and raging during the massive rains that we had a couple of weeks ago. But by raging, it's like two feet deep, the ditches. But mice use it when it's dry like a little highway. And they they live in holes on the edge of the banks of the ditch, I'm sure. But our cats will just sit on the edge of the bank. And we'll, I'll wake up in the morning and see the profile of a black cat on the edge of the ditch in the back of our yard. But they, it's easier for them to catch mice on, in the ditch than it is in the garage. So they go for what's easy. And they don't hunt in the garage. They hunt in the ditch. Which still does us some good. But... 
it it's not quite as urgent as the mouse in the garage situation but fortunately it's not terrible it's far better than it was the year before we got the cats we had we had one mouse or a family of mice we don't know chew through the giant duffel bag wheeled duffel bag that we would take skiing and we had also been given a bag of bird seed because when we didn't have cats we enjoyed feeding birds and it had gotten into the bag of bird seed in another part of the garage and then filled my ski boot with bird seed well and then that same year one of them had also decided we've got a whole house vacuum system sitting out in the garage that we never use and the hose is wrapped up there. And one of them had decided to pretty much pack the entire hose full of bird seed. Yeah, and that's right. I forgot about and that. Random things. So um, I did, you know, I was cleaning up my bench the other day and I did find one. I lifted up a box. An and, actual oh, mouse. There he was. And uh, I have no idea where he went, but I haven't seen any signs of him since. So maybe he disappeared. And then the hilarious part, I mean, of all, just I'm still working through school with the kids. Uh, Elise has one English lesson left, and we'll do math all summer, and restarted our catechism and James after taking about a month off, and that was pretty rough this morning. We'd forgotten a lot of stuff. But uh, Elise's, uh, Elise's English this morning was reading the city mouse, town country mouse, town mouse fable from Aesop, and she just thought that was hysterical, that we were reading a story about mice after the mouse drama of last night. Uh, um, speaking of animals, here's my theological musing for the week. Also, personal failing. Faith was drawing your your wrapping paper for your birthday present, <coughs> for your Father's Day present. Mm-hmm. I just gave her a piece of brown butcher paper and let her go to town with stickers and markers and whatnot. She drew a rainbow, and she was uh, asking me what the order of the colors she said is it red and then yellow and then orange and I said no it's red and then orange and then yellow because the the orange goes between those two it's red and yellow make orange and then we realized we have some color theory work to do with our five-year-old that can wait but then I said and while you're drawing a rainbow can you tell me what a rainbow means and she says no and I was like, how have we, I feel like Titus and Lily got so much drilling about <clears throat> biblical knowledge, basic biblical knowledge. And we read the Jesus Storybook Bible to them so many times and other Bible stories over and over. And faith has just gotten the short end of the stick in terms of, I don't know if we've ever read the Jesus Storybook Bible straight through to her or to Elise. I'm reading the Catherine Voss Children's Bible to Elise, which it's is called Burnout. Well, it's not you just. You can't read the same book over and over. It's but not, we were really dedicated. It's to also burnout. not just burnout, it's, it's <clears throat> using our limited resources, our time, our limited time. And we're spending so much time, even when I do a read aloud with the kids, I'm reading something that's educational and that's bringing them. that is more at the level of the older kids than the younger kids. And, you know, when Titus was younger, I was working through the children's catechism with him. And Faith has a massive head start on him because she knows way more of the Westminster Shorter Catechism than Titus knew at this age. But he 
but she's missed out on all of the children's catechism stuff that we worked with through with him. So it's not necessarily we're we're just using our limited time differently with our youngest because of how we're having to invest our time in our oldest. But I do feel like maybe I should try to work through a children's Bible with her because she's getting some of the Bible stories. But the thing I love about the Jesus Storybook Bible is that it gives it it gives you a sense of it being one whole story mm-hmm. instead of what typically happens for kids growing up. And I think it's kind of happening for Faith is that she doesn't see it as a whole story of God and his people or how God has worked in the world and that all of these little stories are part of one big story. She knows the little stories, but so I asked her, do you know what, do you know what the rainbow means? And she says, no. And I said, do you remember who Noah was? And she says, no. And I was like, oh man, this is a huge parent fail here. And then I prompted her a little bit and she remembered and since I don't know where everybody else was. It was just me and Faith for a pretty big stretch of time. I think on Saturday, maybe the big kids were helping you and your dad or helping my parents with something. Anyway, it was just me and Faith. And so I was like, remember, the, and it felt really apt to emphasize this because it's Pride Month and rainbows are everywhere and whatnot. But so I just kind of went through the basic storyline of Noah and two things struck me that I'm not sure I've really thought deeply about before. One of them was, I I think it was Allie Stuckey who said, if you look at the pride rainbow, it only has six colors. And a true rainbow has seven colors. And I don't want to like get all super into numerology and wow. whatnot, but I, I wonder if there's a significance to the perfection of a rainbow and seven being God's perfection. It's a number of God's perfection. It's you're rolling your eyes. You don't think no, that, that no, no, I, I, I think it's intentional that it's only six colors. Right. <clears throat> What's the color they took out? White or no? Um, I actually <clears throat> don't know. I'm gonna look it up while you talk. Okay. So, so I, even if it's not intentional on the, on the human level, I think it probably is intentional on a spiritual level, i.e. Satan, because he's the father of lies. And six is a number that, you know, is is almost seven. And the best lies are almost true. Right? That it's not convincing. Three is not convincing. Fourteen is fourteen is actually a derivative of or multiple of seven. So fifteen. You know, those aren't close to seven, but six. And again, you know, you can get into numbers and the number of the beast is 666. And a lot of very serious biblical scholars believe that numerology made Nero, you know, you could use ne- make Nero's name out of 666. But, you know, there's people still looking for 666 everywhere today, right? They took out cyan. So of purple, one of the purples. No, like the light blue. Cyan is light blue. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've always thought cyan was light purple. No, it's one of the it's one of the secondary colors. There's three primary colors and three secondary colors. But light blue. We took out light blue. <clears throat> huh. Yep. Okay. I did um, not know that. Red, orange, yellow. 
red, orange, yellow, green, light blue, blue, purple, green, blue, purple. Interesting. So, yeah, it just makes me think that there is a significance in that seven is the biblical rainbow and seven is a number symbolizing God's perfections and six is the the deceptive rainbow that people are flocking to in pride and in deception and Satan is the father of lies he's not and and the best like I just said the best lies are just slightly off of the truth it's not that Satan the serpent looked at Eve and said you know, God's bunk and da 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 da. He just planted this little seed of did God really say? And she's the one who talked herself in using this seed of deception, talked herself into, yeah, yeah, why shouldn't we have the fruit? God's withholding wisdom and all these things from us. And I think that that's so much of what was it? What did the pastor say at my cousin's church in Laramie Lot the other Sunday that we were both like, hmm? He said something about like the essence of human sin is is something. And now I can't remember what it was. You're not even listening to me. You're busy looking at something online. I'm reading the history of the gay pride flag. Uh, and okay. it's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> I, it went through a couple iterations. Um, but what I think um, happened is in the same way God kind of does things through the agency of men. Um, it ended up becoming six and not seven. It started out as eight. One of the early ones was actually eight colors. Interesting. And now it's got that triangle in it incorporating Black Lives Matters and incorporating transgender stuff. And there is a light blue, like a cyan in that Do you triangle. know why the, the transgender one is light blue and light pink? Because pedophiles created it. I don't see the connection. Baby blue and light pink are baby colors. And, and they actually... Says random people. Right, but it's very symbolic. If you were to show someone mm. light blue and light pink, they'd be like, oh, are you expecting a baby boy or a baby girl? Those are just not, I wouldn't say universal, but in America, those are the baby colors and... Uh, I can't give you the history off the top of my head, but Ali Stuckey has done deep dives into this, and and the makers of the transgender flag or components of the flag have overtly said that they wanted to invoke young children in the making of the flag because they were pedophiles, or they. Um, not they had a uh, fixation on sexualization of children um i i I haven't researched just from the wikipedia page and i haven't researched the guy who was kind of created this new uh flag it was in 1951 i think when he was discharged from the military a uh, Hollywood guy told him to friend an influential gay Hollywood person or something said, come up with a new, you know, we should come up with a new symbol rather than this pink triangle. Up until that time, the pink triangle was being used. And the Wikipedia article references that the pink triangle was also used by Nazi Germany to stigmatize men who were attracted to other men. So they wanted to move away from that. 
And um, <clears throat> he, it was said that the uh, creator of this pride flag was inspired by the use of the rainbow from the hippies in the 60s and the, hmm. in the, you know, kind of the hippie era movement. Um, he might have been born in 1951 because that timeline doesn't work. What did it say? Um, yeah, the original gay pride flags flew at the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade in 1978. So he was born in 1951. And uh, it was in the early 70s that he kind of created this um, flag. So I haven't read much into the history, but it went through a couple of variations in the, in the late 70s and 80s. And then you end up with what we have today. Well, So sure. my point being, um, this guy may or may not have had any biblical, uh, biblical understanding or even intentionally... Like, I'm going to go and do this. She's like, let's just use the rainbow. Yeah, and almost certainly are. wasn't thinking six instead of seven. Yeah, sort of six, thing. six, six. But or I, still think, I still think it's an interesting point to ponder. The other thing I was thinking as I was telling Faith the story of Noah's Ark and, you know, all of these, all of these animals and all of these people that were not on the ark died. And the message, of course, is, is that this small remnant of the faithful of you know Noah found favor in God's eyes and so God saved him and his family and the human race through him and his family and then you know trying to explain the rainbow to faith God set the rainbow in the sky to promise that he would never again destroy the world by a flood and so when we see a rainbow we can remember that God protects his people and that God always keeps his promises and so I was trying to get to that punchline with her but I got kind of sidelined thinking about you know, the problem in God saving a remnant was, which the remnant is a very biblical idea throughout all the Old Testament, right? That God will always preserve a remnant. The problem is whenever there is a human remnant, you can't eliminate the sin problem because Noah and all of his family members, who were there eight of them, eight human beings on the boat, every single one of those eight human beings on the boat still had sin in their hearts. And so even though the overt rampant wickedness of only evil all the time was wiped out and started over, I mean, what happened shortly after they all got off the boat? Something about Noah got drunk and they saw him naked and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So the sin problem resumed really shortly after they got off the boat. And just continued to balloon and here we are today because I, I I haven't necessarily drawn out a deep biblical theology of this but but there can't be a remnant and still fix the sin problem and there had to be there had to be death in order to fix the sin problem. And, you know, Christ had to die sacrificially for us, and in him, we all have to die. Keep talking. I'm not going to keep talking. You're rattling around back there. It's super loud. <laughs> Sorry, my iPad's about to die, and I'm taking no show notes, which I forgot to tell everybody about at the beginning of the show. <clears throat> and, uh, hi, I'm back. <clears throat> Okay. okay. Remnants. Anyway, uh, they, you know, the remnant is a particularly in 
Old Testament prophecy and the prophetic books where they're in exile and they're suffering and God always promises to preserve his people through a remnant. The problem is, even if the remnant is only one normal human being, well, if it's only one, then they're going to die off because it takes two to tango, you know, which we learn also from Noah's Ark and we shouldn't miss. But even if the remnant were just one man and one woman and they were the nicest, best people in the world, they would produce sinful offspring because there has to be total death. And so the, the, the seed or the remnant or the shoot that the, pro, the Old Testament prophets talk about uh, had to die and in him the mankind that will be resurrected through him also must die. And so I guess I've, I've just always thought, well, God preserves his people through this, through the saving people on a boat. And the problem is, yes, God does. He continues pushing the storyline of how he's going to ultimately make for himself a one holy people. But the problem is the people on the boat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the hall of faith you know, that we talked about just last week, I think, right? Where Gideon and Samson and all of these incredibly sinful people make it into the hall of faith because this is how God has, choos- has chosen for all, all of human history to work is through fallen sinful people. But the fallen sinful people also keep perpetuating the problem because we can't help ourselves. And so the only way that the flood could have solved the sin problem is if there had been no people on the ark. (laughs) That would have solved the sin problem, which obviously wipes out all of God's creation and brings up the absolute necessity of a savior who is both God and man, fully man, fully God, and can both die as a man and yet be resurrected because he was sinless and raise all of us up to life with him. I don't know. That's not really a complete thought, but I was just really struck by the fact that we always talk about God saving people on the boat and yet those people were still part of the problem. They just weren't as overtly bad as everybody else. But that's, you know, Abraham. God promised to make, you know, make a holy people through him and Abraham was a huge part of the problem <laughs> and on and on <laughs> just I was just struck momentarily there was the like this is what, what is the point like humans are just such an issue and it's the same thing it's the same story of God over and over again God saves a you know despicable people that cause all the problems and it's just like that it just makes me kind of tired and it's like really like for sure like i'm kind of over it uh but the when i was listening i posted this on our telegram channel i'm going to try to pull it up if i can find it but the um matt no it's not that it's the getty song did i talk about this last time the two wonders i confess of my unworth and yet my worthiness. Was it the one that was redone by Greyhavens? 
that we talked so. about because that's what we talked about, talk about yeah so just that again it's that emphasis of how incredibly valuable and precious human beings are having been made in the image of god so actually having the stamp of god himself in our souls gives us a un incalculable value in god's eyes and yet at the same time yeah like you know god <laughs> You know, no matter how few people you had on the boat, they still would have carried on the sin problem and kept wrecking the good things that you were doing, that the good things you had in store, right? And he knows that. And yet he continues working in and through them, through all of biblical history, and then sending his own son to die to actually fix the problem. And yeah, we just have to keep struggling through in our own little way of, as Elizabeth Elliot used to always say just do the next right thing and sometimes that's the best we can do it's tiring it is tiring okay pivoting from that to we watched uh, a documentary on netflix you guys on what saturday night i can't remember anyway we had to invite ourselves over to jr's parents place because they have netflix and we don't and it's a Netflix only documentary called Speed Cubers. And as we've told you guys, Titus is into solving his Rubik's Cube. He has done it successfully. He can now do it successfully without even really thinking about it. And we watched, there's a guy named Max Park. I'll see if I can find this video for Jared to post a link in our show notes. But just last week, this guy named, I don't know how old he is, 20 maybe, a kid named Max Park, set a new world record in solving the 3 by 3 Rubik's Cube, and he solved it in 3.1 seconds, which is insane. If you watch the video, it's just wild. And there's commentary from the dad in the official Guinness Book of World Records video that sent me looking for the Speedcubers video, uh, documentary because his dad says that there were a lot of people who've been cheering Max on in his quest to break new world records because they became fans from watching this show that came out, I don't know, 2021, 20, somewhere in there, on speed cubing. But, so, like, I'm thinking this, you know, people are terrible, only evil all the time, and there's a character in the documentary named Felix and it's F-E-L-I-K-S, Zemdegs. Uh, he's of Eastern European descent, but he grew up in Australia. And he is the nicest guy. And he's not just playing the nice guy for the video, for the documentary. He just is this kind of goofy dad is a finance guy. Now, let's set the stage, though. Felix is also the reigning world champion in about every single category for speed cubing. And yes. has been for years. And he is probably, what, 10 years older than Max? At least. And, yeah, and so he's gone back and forth, <clears throat> but has held world records. And so, you guys, speed cubing, you do it blindfolded. You do it with one hand, then the three by three, and then there's... Yeah, four by four, five by five, six by six, and seven by seven. Could you even imagine a seven by seven Rubik's Cube? How well, nuts Titus, it would be? Titus has been talking to me about... Uh, Titus has been mentioning the fact that that's, he knows one way to solve... The three by three. One thing. 
He's he said something like there's 300 different ways to solve this or whatever. And these guys all have it memorized. And so he gets he like Titus is like I just get it to a certain point and then I know exactly where to go from there. I can do it really fast. It's like oh my word. But these guys, if you watch, so go watch the Max Part Guinness World Record. I'll include the link in the show notes. But he, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the world of speed cubing prior to watching this video. But they they put the cube under a box. And you are the the competitor has this little mat, a timing mat in front of them, and your hand, both hands have to be on the timing mat when you start. And the time starts when you pick your hands up off the mat, and you solve it. And then the time stops when you put your hands back down on the mat. And the cube has to be perfectly squared off, perfectly solved, perfectly squared off, or you get a time penalty. But what's interesting is they so the cube is under a box, and the time official who hilariously is like an 18 year old nerd yeah these kids are like it's hysterical how you what i wonder what it takes to become a speed cubing cubing official or get his book world's record world record official official yeah yeah. anyway this kid is um so he pulls the box off of the cube and max gets to look it over so he examines all of the sides and i think what he's deciding is what algorithm he's going to decide where to start he's going to use and where to start so titus there's a there's a phrase it's like color neutral i think is a phrase titus keeps using so he has to get what he calls the daisy so it's like yellow in the middle and then white around the outside and once he gets it to that point he can solve everything but there's steps that you take to get the daisy but these guys can start with getting any side they can choose whatever side they want and then as they're studying it they're figuring out which algorithm they're going to use uh, in order to solve it. And then they put it down and they put their hands on the timing mat and then they, they do their thing. So anyway, it's it's fascinating. Felix was the reigning champion, guy to beat, and when Max was a very young kid, he started idolizing Felix because he's watching videos online and things of this. And he meets him in at a competition and his parents, so Max is autistic, and pretty far, pretty high on the spectrum. Like he, they actually got him, this is going to give away some of both videos, but they actually got him into cubing because his fine motor skills were so poor that they thought just rotating the cube would help his fine motor skills. And then they were like, oh, he's actually really good at this. And then his dad says, we we once he started enjoying the competitions we figured we would exploit the cubing community for our son's social development (laughs) and uh so so just putting all that out there to say that max is very socially awkward and not really good at engaging other people and he asks felix for his autograph at the first event he met felix at and his parents were like, what? He just engaged with a stranger in a socially positive way. And uh, and then Max, as this fairly young kid, starts breaking Felix's records. And like you- on, He's watching on YouTube and Felix is like, "I, uh, who is this kid that's like this random kid on YouTube? I can't I can't beat him. Yeah. And <clears throat> anyway, he his parents said that at every competition he was always so kind and congenial and a genuine friend to Max. And whenever Max would break one of Felix's records, if he was in person, he would genuinely and joyfully congratulate Max. 
And in if it were via long distance, Felix would FaceTime Max and congratulate him. And he, you see in the documentary several occasions where Max beats Felix, partly because they say Cubers get to a certain time in life and they just have too many life responsibilities. They go to college. They kind of, he said they kind of essentially grow up. Yeah. And they don't have all of the time to just sit and do this muscle memory over and over and over. And so Felix is towards the end of his career because he's in college and he's looking ahead to getting a job and whatnot. And so he's kind of knows this is probably his last hurrah. And Max beats you know does better than he does on a number of levels and he's just so genuinely celebratory of max to other people and to max's face to his to himself and to his parents and i just cannot fathom somebody with that depth of character who isn't a christian I I mean there are some really I guess what I'm saying why I pivoted from that to from Noah's Ark to this is there are some really really good people in the world and I say good in terms of their actions and whatnot like I'm not I'm not saying that they are you know don't need a savior and that they're not condemned before a holy God and all the disclaimers that I probably don't need to say to people that are listening to us but I feel like I have to say anyway because there's one person out there who's going to be like but you know you just said that Felix doesn't need Jesus that's not what I said I am astounded at some how how genuinely in common grace how great of people there are in the world and I think maybe it astounds me more than it should because I think of myself more highly than I ought and yet I look at someone like Felix and I go, I would never have the depth of character to do that. <laughs> I would be so jealous or so resentful or so angry or at the very least so disappointed and so focused on myself that I would have to force myself to congratulate someone who just handily beat me or who had dethroned me from my position as the reigning best person in this corner of my world. And to handle it with such grace and joy and kindness uh, would be incredible even for a Christian and is tremendously incredible if he's not a believer. And I guess I I'm marvel at that because I am so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I struggle on the daily with, I mean, we all do, you know, whether you're look at Instagram accounts or hearing about things your friends are doing or seeing stuff. It's like, ah, oh, like they're doing it better than me. And you just, you not, resent that. Yeah. Or they're doing the things I wanted to do and you know, whatever the case is. Um, yeah, it is. I highly commend the documentary to you guys. We'll, we'll put a link of it, you know, a link to it in the show notes. Can well. you link to a Netflix show that you don't yeah. have? I think Netflix has public profiles. Okay. Yeah. And then click it and you can, it logs in and automatically redirects. And I will tell you that even if you don't know anything about cubing or you're not interested in it, it's just a fantastic human interest piece. And oh, it's yeah. 40 minutes long. So it's not like don't plan a family movie night around it. 
Because we did another movie at the same time, didn't we? We did that YouTube documentary on... On the violin. Uh, uh, Warren Hood. Warren Hood. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So we... Texas com- Songwriters. Which was only there. a 20-minute show. So we had an hour of family yeah. movie, which some of the kids got kind of bored with the, the Warren Hood one. He's a... His dad's name was Champ. Champ Hood. And he was apparently kind of a legendary Austin... A legendary in the Austin music. What did his dad play? Was it the Fiddle. bass? The fi- oh, his dad was a fiddler too. So he, apparently, he played like a couple different instruments. I think. Apparently, Warren is considered just a phenomenal fiddle player and violinist, and he kind of blends the genres a little bit. <coughs> so what Molly? What intrigued Molly about it? You know, obviously we have three girls that are all taking violin, but he mentions in the trailer he said. Somebody asked him what the difference is between a fiddle and a violin. And he goes, it's kind of the way you roll your R's. So he played two of the same patterns. Yes. One was incredibly violin. The other one was straight up. Fiddle. Fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. It was was really interesting. That is, I'd forgotten about that. Because he also said, he has this very thick, I think a... It, like kind of low class Texan accent, honestly. It's a Texas country accent. And he has uh, this kind of like, like overbite. He looks like a country boy. <laughs> He's also got great feathered hair that we're trying to get Titus to consider for a, for a haircut because Titus has this tremendously long mop that I increasingly feel like we need to do something to help him curate. Well, Besides, because he doesn't curate it himself. Right. So until we threaten to do something with it. But yes, so he says, well, most people would say the difference between a fiddle and a violin is about $4,000. But I think that it's in how you roll your R's. And then he proceeded to play the the violin and then the fiddle, the same piece of music in two different styles. And it was totally, I, I am not trained musically at all. And I would never have guessed that they were the same piece of music. And it was kind of fun because one of our daughters, it was bedtime when we finished, but one of our daughters had to come home and pull out her violin and play a couple of not great, not interesting, really scratchy, probably out of tune tunes when we got back. But she was she was inspired. Yeah, I mean, Tito got done watching the Rubik's Cube documentary and then walked around for the next day and a half. Oh, he's still fiddling with his Rubik's Cube. He's going to be stoked. You guys, I'll let you in on a secret. After watching the documentary, I went and bought him. Like the Gan Speed Cube, so all the guys in the documentary are wearing these Gan Cube T-shirts, which is a brand. It's a brand. It they make better cubes than Rubik's. Yeah. For so Rubik's sponsors pretty much everything, but Gan, you know, has like the nicest cube. So I went and bought one on Amazon. He's gonna trip. He is gonna trip on Friday. He also asked me. This is kind of a weird parenting milestone. He. I looked up Felix because after we put the kids to bed on Saturday night, you went back over and watched a movie with your dad or Friday night, I think Mm -hmm. it was. And I was like, I've got to know if Felix is a Christian and there's nothing anywhere out there. It's all everything is straight up about him being, uh, you know, him and his cube cubing world. But he has a whole website and tons of free tutorials and things like that. But the website is basically useless unless you unless you get a free membership to it and despite how jr feels about giving your email address and password out left and right to all the things at least we're not doing the premium membership where you have to pay i don't mind here's what What? here's what bothers me the most i don't mind 
handing out with with the technology now behind password keeper apps and those things where you can have 27 character encrypted custom passwords for every single account that's brilliant um so i don't mind that but what i do mind is is these subscription-based models because as my buddy uh gary at revel coffee said they're just bank account parasites you know you've got your thirty dollar subscription to uh you know i don't even know what speaking of which anymore. you You've should cancel your, subs- your zwift subscription i did i did oh yeah okay i totally forgot about it because i i Try to ride in the you winter. Said it's, and a then I don't, it's, and then a it's a parasite. It's a parasite. You've got this subscription. You've got a monthly membership to your local gym. You've got how many streaming subscriptions? And you've got a couple of master Amazon, class things. Your, your kids' Amazon, Amazon Kindles. Your Kindles. Your iPhone, your iCloud subscription, your Apple One. You know, all these subscriptions. And next thing you know, you've got three, four, five hundred dollars worth of monthly subscriptions yeah. for these services that, you know, in. I'm old enough to remember that back in the day, you didn't have subscription. Nothing was subscription based. Yeah, nothing, you went, you went and spent six hundred dollars on a piece of software. If you wanted, or if you wanted to renew a magazine subscription, you had to send them money every year. Like yeah. they would tell you when it was expiring. Instead yeah, of we're just going to keep your credit card check. account on file and yeah. re re up your subscription. Anyway, so if you're not careful, like all of a sudden you're like, where'd all my money go this month? And you're like, oh, well, I've I've got six hundred bucks just in various. So anyway, Felix offers a premium model that includes like interacting with him and a little bit of premium content. But I told Titus, let's start. So he, I wasn't really thinking about how are we going to have him uh, sign up for it. I handed him my iPad and he just He has his own iCloud. He knows his own iCloud. Right. So he types in his own email address for it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) He, I just didn't even occur to me that he would use his own email address to sign up for an account something so he signed up for it and then but he only gets his email on our family computer so when it asked for it to like a you know send an email and you had to click Mm -hmm. a confirmation thing then we had to switch from the ipad to the to the computer but uh so that was it was just an interesting parenting milestone to be like oh he just registered for a website with his own email address i need to get him set up on some sort of password app which those are subscription based too you do yeah um i told you guys if you guys aren't using one um i use keeper security it is um uh zero i can't remember the name of it now my my, i haven't spent any time in uh cybersecurity like world in a while but um they can't access uh keeper can't access your passwords unless they have unless you give them your encryption key so you've got a login and then you've got your encryption key and you can't, anyway, they can't access anything. So even if somebody were to hack their servers, nobody would get your passwords. And so you only have to remember one password for a website. And people are like, well, what if that person gets that one website, that one password? Okay, sure. But why are you using it anywhere else? Like that's the one that should be in your brain. Don't write it down. Don't put it anywhere. Keep it in your brain. Because the risk you run with some of these things is you have the same password on Nordstrom, Apple, uh, Starbucks, Amazon, and you know Google, or you have you change one letter at the end of your main password. Those are the easiest things to hack. So somebody you may get compromised on Nordstrom.com, for instance. Okay, 
that could be a big deal if that password is used on a variety of other things because these hackers now can simply take, they've got your login information now, they got your name, they got your password. They can scour the internet really, really easily with various tools to find any other accounts you may have on any other websites or anything you might have used and traces of you on the internet. Then they can simply try that password on all those websites, usually at one shot. Um, if that doesn't work, if there's an obvious algorithm, like, okay, password, and then I'm going to put shift and press the number one. And then I'm going to write password, push shift, press the number two. So you get the characters at the top. I know people that do this. Um, that's an easy, you see that once and you can hack a gazillion, but then you know the formula for all the other passwords. So the idea is you're protecting yourself from these mass problems where you have, you know, one password for everything and you don't want to do that you guys let's go back to noah the world is a horrible place <laughs> people are so terrible they oh, are they terrible really are. They uh, really but are. i will actually throw in an endorsement for keeper i find it very convenient on my phone where so I never let Apple memorize my passwords for no, things. No, never let a browser have your password. So the browsers don't have my passwords on things, but uh, with my iPhone and facial recognition, or if you have an older iPhone and the thumbprint thing, you can very easily uh, have Keeper call up Keeper and have them have it automatically enter your password. So you don't even have to. Because I will tell you, I'm not going to give away our password, darling. And that is but that is our, local. So this app operates on a local level. So it's not on, on our devices. Internet, internet level. We don't have to be online in order to access any of it. It does sync online. So if I change a password or create a new pass, like create, go to a new website and on our home computer. But it doesn't th- sync it will- via third party service. It syncs via a single encrypted service and you still have to have your encryption key to even make it work. So anyway, <clears throat> I, you know, if I have to log into something online, the way the facial recognition or the thumb recognition has changed how I use Keeper because our password uses capital letters as well as figures and on an iPhone keypad. As on well a phone, as numbers. As well as numbers. And on a phone keypad, it is such a hassle to do like capital K at sign and then to remember like I actually have to think really hard about what our password is because it's pretty long and I have muscle memory for it. And so on a keyboard, I have muscle memory on a keyboard and it's very I screw it up all the time on the phone if I have to do it. But with face recognition, I can just open Keeper and then copy the password because it logs me in when it recognizes my face, which is a whole nother level of creepiness. But because now they have have databases of your fingerprints and your face, but they've already been collecting that stuff with public camera security systems. And if you've got any sort of like tax stamped firearm, like a suppressor or a short barrel rifle, you've got to give up your fingerprints there. Yeah. All all the things. And for the record, this isn't Titus's first, uh, uh, internet account, his technical oh, first one. Oh, you're right. The first that I monitored. His first one was obviously Apple when I signed him up, signed the kids up for an email. And I can talk about that later. I don't have to talk about it now, but I was looking at trying not to give them a Apple or a Google email, but there was some problems with some of the, the services like ProtonMail, which I really like for security that are relatively independent. Um, 
but anyway, it's it was Apple, and then it was uh, his fish and wildlife, fish and wildlife parks because I had to sign up in order to get him tags for right. elk and deer. That's right. So I figured I might as well put that under his account now. So when he's eighteen and out of the house, he's just had one, one account. One that account. He, yeah, kind of like oh, I saw this really funny spoof video the other day. Speaking of just having one account, and it was this uh, like coffee shop gal and this guy finishes ordering his drink and she goes uh you know and we have this special promotion right now you can get your drink for free if you give me your email address and sign up for our email list and he was like um can I give you my phone number and she's like no we need your email address and he goes through can I give you my Instagram handle nope we need your email address he goes through all these things and the caption on the video was like when you created your, you still to use the email account you created in high school, and it was like, um, yeah. I can't, re- you know, it was the guy was like, what? The guy behind him in line is starting kind of starts harassing him because it becomes really obvious he doesn't want to give away his email. He's like, what do you still have a hotmail account? AOL, and then it was some like, you know, something a high like mildly crass that a high school boy would have thought was really funny is his email handle, and he like. He's like, well, I'm gonna spell it to you. I'm not gonna say the words, and so he spells it, and then she reads it aloud to him, and the whole like line in the coffee shop that has grown while he's doing this back and forth, uh, they all, um, they all kind of groan and roll their eyes, and then the guy that was harassing him steps up and he he orders his drink and she says that'll be like this amount of money. And he's like, well, can't I have the same email promotion that that guy goes? And she goes, no, that was just for him. I need your gaming handle, <laughs> and he goes. I'll just pay for the drink. <laughs> it would have been funnier if I had been able to find the link, but I can't. You guys, best practice, and I don't practice this, and I should. Um, I feel compelled to say this because it's some common sense, but a lot of people don't practice it. You're all, Well, first of all, you're always going to sacrifice some level of convenience for security. So it's not going to be as easy for you to be... Uh, to practice good security and, and good privacy with your various life um, things. But one of the best practices you can do that I try to maintain as much as possible is um, have uh, separate emails and separate phone numbers that you can kind of hand out willy-nilly. So, for instance, with um, uh, with uh, our Proton Mail account, I can have a variety of different email addresses that come into the same relative account. So I could have one with just, I could call it signups, you know, and then that's the one I can hand out to everybody. So I'm not handing out our personal email address that they can get compromised or sent all over the place. Um, Google, you can get a free number, free phone number with Google. There's a couple different services out there. Um, I use my Google number all the time for, <laughs> this is so you have those ones like get 20% off your first order by giving us your signing up for alerts. And so I'm like, okay, I'll sign up for the alert. And then what I figured out is the alert always comes through right away before, you know how like by law you have to respond whether you signed up for this or not? Yeah. Well, the alert comes in, whether the coupon code will come in, whether or not you agree to continue using. So <laughs> I sign up, get the coupon code and say, no, I don't want to be on your list. <laughs> That's... Hilarious. It's, it's funny. Um, you know, use um, you know use separate emails for uh, you know for even financial related things. You know, have separate email accounts for your finances. So if somebody does happen to hack your, you know, our for instance, uh, we got. I mean, 
we've got a jr.molly email account. So if somebody were to hack our jr.molly email account, um, then, you know, that's fine. They can't get to my, you know, my banking accounts or my finance accounts because those are on, those are different emails or whatever. So, I mean, there's some inconvenience there, but there are also some really good security practices if you want to do that. Like I, even I don't practice some all of, of those, all of the good practices. So it can be cumbersome, but it, at this stage of the game for some things, like, you know, some of our emails are so out there already that it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. I have a Yahoo account that still comes into our home computer, but I have not used it. I literally have not used it even for signing up for things in several years. And I get about 8,000 spam emails a month in it. And this is from an email address that I started in college and that I pro- I used until Gmail became popular, which... Uh, I mean, I had a Gmail account that I still use um, before we got married because it's got my maiden name on it and I still use it. So I was well established with Gmail before we got married 15 years ago. And I still get thousands of spam from that Yahoo email address that was in circulation more than 15 years ago. That's crazy. I've had I've had the same email address uh, for a lot of years now, but I get very few and maybe Proton does an amazing job at filtering. But since I moved over to their servers, I get, yeah, like Yahoo three is or four. terrible at filtering things. Cause I've gone through seasons where I've tried to use their spam filters. Like I go to their website and click, this is mm-hmm. spam, this is spam. And the same basic emails come through. All the time. Anyway, yeah. anyway um, sorry, I need guys. to go make Side meatloaf, track. but I want to throw out to you guys. We had a friend, an 83-year-old friend over for a birthday dinner last night, and I went back and forth, back and forth about what I wanted for dessert because our about half of our kids, exactly half of our kids, don't do things like berry pies or pies or crumbles or crisps which is really unfortunate because Jar and I think they're both delicious. But when a third of your family won't eat them and then verbally complains about them, you think twice before making them. And then husband forgets about them. And then they uh, just And then go they bad. just sit in the fridge. <laughs> uh, but I really wanted fruit in the dessert. So I finally settled on fruit pizza. And our 83-year-old friend had never heard of the concept of fruit pizza before. Which I was like, Seriously? I thought everybody knew what fruit pizza was. So if you don't know what fruit pizza was, or if it hasn't been, you know, it's summer now, it's a great treat if you're willing to turn your oven on. Literally, the crust that I made took 10 minutes to bake. So have your oven on for, you know, if you want to include warming up for 30 minutes at 375. But I used Mel's Kitchen Cafe's uh, sugar cookie bars that she does in a 9x13, and I did them in a what 11 by 14 I don't know what the smallest cookie sheet size is so because I wanted it a little bit thinner than the picture showed and it was it held together well but it was still nice and soft and not overly sweet like if I just originally I was just going to do normal sugar cookies which I think would have been too sweet and then we did a frosting that was just a block of cream cheese a cube of butter some lemon juice, which I think made the big difference, made it really delicious, 
vanilla and I ran out of powdered sugar. And so we just used regular sugar on it, which was fine because it made it more smooth and creamy. Because then you want your little chunks of fruit that you put on top of that to stick to it and not to sit on top of it like you would a frosting with a lot of powdered sugar in it. But anyway, it was fun to do a DIY. So everybody got their own slab of sugar cookie bar and then they got to frost it as much as they wanted. And then we had various chopped fruit, strawberries, blueberries, cherries, peaches, canned pineapple, and coconut and chocolate chips. And anyway, so if I'll have JR post the link to the sugar cookie bar. And if you have a birthday for a three-year-old or an 83-year-old coming up this summer and you also have trouble figuring out what to make or a tea party, it'd be a great DIY for a tea party for some little girls. And consider it. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, I want to apologize for, I'm kind of dealing with a little bit of a cold right now. I'm trying to get that done. For those that are wondering, I was drinking my Pu'er uh, black tea. Super delicious. I don't know what Molly was drinking. I am drinking, uh, <laughs> I'm drinking a mixture that I've had in the freezer for a long time in an ice cube tray Ooh, that lovely. is blended turmeric, honey, pineapple, and ginger. Uh, I made it when I was, have, when we all had colds or coughs or something because they're all great for you and I actually think it tastes really good. And uh, I have a silicone ice cube tray that had two blobs of it left in it and while I'm going upstairs to make meatloaf for dinner right now I am planning to have a block of beef liver thawing on the counter right now and I don't know if I told you guys it's been quite a while now I went through a season where I was adding grass-fed beef liver to our taco meat almost weekly because liver is such a phenomenal nutrient powerhouse and but it has a very strong flavor that really nobody in our family likes so jr and i have been taking liver pills oh i so i was adding it to it and all the seasonings in the taco meat would kind of cover over it and then one day but i would blend it and then mix it in with the ground meat and one day i just didn't feel like getting the food processor out to blend it so i just chopped it up really small and it just had too strong like the chunks retained the flavor and nobody liked the taco meat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just burnt me out on, on liver for a while. But I saw a gal on Instagram, I'm sure, who blended it and then froze it into ice cube trays. And then she just had these little chunks. And she tosses a chunk in to stuff like that. And mm. it really doesn't take much liver to deliver all of the great nutritional benefits to us. And I'm thinking particularly of our two preteens whose bodies really need to be beefing up on on vitamins and minerals just I want to keep them well nourished while their bodies undergo this massive change that they're on the cusp of and so I want to get better at putting liver into our food again so we'll have liver in our meatloaf for dinner but it will only be like two tablespoons in our whole mixed with a pound and a half of Mm. ground elk so hopefully it won't really affect the flavor but all that to say the only reason I'm drinking what I'm drinking is because I needed the ice cube space (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow that was a long story anyway um right so we did mention a few things in the show we mentioned we had some links that we're going to include i'll include all those in the show notes 
And then we also talked uh, briefly touched on our Telegram group. It's the number one way for people to get a hold of us. If you go to uh, the link in the show notes as well, you'll have a, it's a private uh, access to our, our Telegram, the app, a Telegram chat group. And you can jump on there and interact with us, interact with other fans. Um, we're on there regularly. Um, so, I mean, by regularly, like, I read everything that goes through the group because it's small enough still. Sometimes it takes me a minute to get through everything, but it's still small enough you can keep up. And it's fun and interesting. <clears throat> it is. There are good people out there. Oh, man. There are some great people out there. You guys, there's some great people out there. You guys are great people. Um, yeah, so jump on and join us there. If you want to order a sticker or a hat or a T-shirt or something, we've got some swag on our website that desperately needs to be updated, but I'll, it's not a high priority for me right now. Um Mainly because nobody really bought any. Well, we had some sales early on, so that was kind of cool. But uh, anyway, too busy to flush. All grammatically correct or TB the number 2F. TB2F.com. Either one of those will get you there. So that said, we are a weekly podcast and we do intend to be here next week. And um, that's all I got. Anything else you have? Nope. There's not. You guys are turning that oven on. <laughs> <laughs>